Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, coming up first, one of the daughters of the late evangelist Billy Graham has written a book about forgiveness, highlighting her personal struggles and how she discovered the power to forgive through Christ. Also, Tom Phillips from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has written on revival and deals with principles of personal revival in his latest book, designed to deepen a Christian's walk with Jesus. Plus, Edie Melson is concerned about and has written regarding matters of the soul and offers some insight into caring for our inner lives in a conversation from the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Tennessee. Plus, Ray Comfort has released a 365-day devotional centered around the words of Jesus designed to encourage us to pay attention to what he has taught and to follow his words. Also, Jay Paleitner encourages people to consider drawing near to Jesus and to experience him in a book he's written and that he spotlighted in a conversation with me at CPE International. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Ruth Graham is the third daughter and middle child of five in the family of the late evangelist Billy Graham. She shares her name with her mother, Ruth. In her latest work, she discusses how she has discovered some principles of forgiveness through the Lord, even dealing with unforgiveness toward her own father, whom she adored, as well as herself. The book is called Forgiving My Father, Forgiving Myself, An Invitation to the Miracle of Forgiveness. From a recent conversation, this is Ruth Graham. I um, grew up with a great sense of insecurity because of uh, my father's absences. Um, Someone pointed out to me one day, I was really struggling with the fact I'd been married and divorced four times. And I was beating myself up and saying, something is really wrong here. What what have I done? And why am I doing this? Why am I repeating the same mistake? And um, he looked at me, he said, Ruth, he said, you felt abandoned as a little girl. And I didn't want that to be true because my father was and is my hero but i knew that the that piece fit the puzzle and so i had to learn to forgive my father for that sense of abandonment and that i had to forgive myself because you know there are no excuses and i make no excuses and i'm not blaming my father at all there are no excuses but sometimes there are reasons and the reason that I kept marrying is because I felt so insecure. I had this abandonment issue, and I had to deal with that before the Lord. And I had to ask God's forgiveness. And I also think that we, while I certainly forgave my earthly father, we, sometimes we have to forgive God, and I know there's no theology for that. But um, when we expect God to act in a certain way mm-hmm. and he doesn't, we get angry with him. Yes. And we have to forgive him. And I think we really have to come to a place of surrender to God but we wrestle through with the, the anger and the bitterness that we feel that he did not do what we expected him to do. And I have certainly experienced that as well. So, so it's two-edged. It's two fathers, my earthly father and my heavenly father, and myself. Well, let's talk about that whole concept of forgiving yourself. What did you find to be maybe some keys from the Scriptures and through the Holy Spirit that you had to, to really— exercise or apply with respect to forgiving yourself? How did that, how did that all come about? Well, I think uh, for me, uh, when I realized that I had, I was in a mess and I wasn't able to get out of it. And I thought, when we finally recognize what my core issue is, and we all have a core issue, Mm. Uh, Samson's was his passion. You know, we all have a core issue. And 
I had, once I recognized that, that made it a little easier because now I had a reason. But it's the same as when you have to forgive somebody else. You make the choice to forgive. You make a decision. It's a matter of mind and the will. And A.W. Tozer says that once we make that decision, it's a doorway by which the Holy Spirit can enter that decision and help us to do it. So I made the decision to forgive myself. And then I also renewed my mind in the scriptures. And I got to memorize verses that were applicable to my situations and that I had to forgive, forgive myself. And you renew your mind. And there's nothing like the scriptures to help you do that, because that's the truth. Emotions are there, but they don't tell the truth. Emotions never tell the truth. It's We have to stand on the truth of God's Word alone. Well, and as you talk about renewing your mind, that's a step in that overall process. You made up your mind to forgive yourself, to forgive others, to forgive your Father, even to make things right with your your Heavenly Father. Again, these are centered on these abandonment issues that you carried throughout your life. You talk in the book about it being a process. It's not a matter of one day you wake up and say, well, I forgive everybody, I forgive myself, it's all done. You talk about that process of renewing your mind. What are maybe some other contributing factors that that you walked through with respect to experiencing the forgiveness that you were seeking? It is a lifelong process. It's uh, We don't just one and done. It's... it's mm-hmm. You walk through it, and the, again, I, to renew your mind in the Scripture, and I can't emphasize that enough, but if, if I, there was a one lady that, that I just, every time I heard her voice, made my teeth set on edge, and I thought, Lord, I cannot go through this, like I can't go through life like this. So I asked him to give me a verse. So I memorized Ephesians 4, be ye kind, tenderhearted to one another. And every time I saw her, I would renew that verse in my mind. And after a while, I began to be able to be with her and not think about what she'd done to me and not be angry with her and not cringe every time I saw her. So it does work, but it is a process and it takes time. And we have to give ourselves time and we have to give ourselves grace. God certainly does. Ruth Graham here on The Intersection. Find out more by going to the website ruthgraham.com. Next up, Vice President of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Tom Phillips, sharing about matters relative to revival pertaining to his book, Ignite Your Passion for Jesus, Your Guide to Experience Personal Revival. Here now is Tom Phillips. In 1857, right before the uh, Civil War, God prepared us for the stupidity of man by renewing his kids. And out of that two years of prayer, this occurred all the way to the east, to the western border of America, which was then Kentucky, Chicago, Illinois, example, would have prayer meetings of 4,000. People would come in uh, just one hour. They read a verse of Scripture. They sang one stanza of a hymn, and then they just started praying for friends who did not know God. In other words, the church had become awakened. Now the lost are being prayed for. And it wasn't unusual for people of the church, people outside the church, to come to these prayer meetings. When they did, a woman might stand up and say, I want you to pray for my husband. He does this to me and the children. He doesn't do this for us. And it was was not unusual for three to five men to stand up in that large gathering and say, I'm that man, and come to Christ. Mm. Well, remember, we had been comfortable. So the media had talked about sports and theater 
and the business world. But when everything collapsed, when there was a crisis, it doesn't have to be economic. It could be military. It could just be repentance from the Word of God calling a nation to spiritual crisis. When that happened, people said to the editors, we don't want to read about these other things like sports or theater or the jobs that we don't have. We want to read about what God is doing. And literally, that could happen in America because when this wave of the Holy Spirit comes in, it comes in quickly, and things change immediately. It's like a tipping point. Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. That's his kids' sins. Then I will heal the land. And as I mentioned to you, Bob, before we started, Billy Graham was praying as early as 1949 until he died. I'm praying for an old-fashioned Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival that will sweep America from coast to coast. As at many other times in history, America is in distress. You can look at the national news, TV, radio. Our nation's being torn apart. It's unraveling. People have looked in many different directions for solutions. They've looked to government, political leaders, new leadership, new laws, new regulations, new economic reforms. This will all make things better. Oh, why don't we help our educational system? More money, more methods. Children will learn and grow to become morally mature. We have threats of continuous terrorist attacks. People are uneasy. They feel powerless. America is in a crisis. We know something has to change, but it's not just a political crisis. It's not just, and I don't mean this, uh, uh, it's not a mere economic crisis. It's not a mere social crisis. The root of all of this is a heart crisis. It's a spiritual crisis. The greatest need in America is for God to come and give us a spiritual awakening, a a spiritual revival Critical times throughout history, greatest need is people turning their hearts back to God. Well, you've written the book, Ignite Your Passion for Jesus. It's a 12-week guide, and each each day has some different elements that people can read and apply to their lives. So, so take us through the material here in Ignite Your Passion for Jesus as far as the, the structure and the content. It's really for the person. Ignite your passion for Jesus. May I say now, it's your guide to personal spiritual renewal. And so what we do is we just simply take certain segments of the Christian life, like joy, and we'll tell about people who've experienced it, people whose lives were perhaps wretched or indifferent. And God has changed them, has moved them, real people that are living today. And then they've gone out and they've served other people. They've served God. They've helped change society. And after every one of these little studies in the Word of God and in people's lives, real people's lives, then we go through what we call experientials, where each of us have to take time to look into our own heart through God's Word. And uh, by the way, may I say how thrilled I am to hear that the Southern Baptists are now doing a renewed emphasis on the Word of God for their churches. Mission America, or Luzon, USA, is calling next year the Year of the Bible. It is a movement of God's Spirit, but it uses absolute truth, the Word of God. And in the book, we guide people through other people's lives, through segments of people's daily lives, to show how God can change us. Only God can do this one heart at a time. Tom Phillips here on The Intersection. You can find out more about the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association at billygraham.org.
More information on the book can be found at JesusNowAwakening.com. Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, from the 2019 Christian Product Expo International event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, author Edie Melson stopped by Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central to discuss the concept of her Soul Care series, including Soul Care When You're Weary. Here now is Edie Melson. It's human nature to actually seek to to produce certain results. And we feel like that we, even in order to please God, we have to perform in a certain way. Where God is saying, I will bear the fruit through you. What you do is place yourself in a position where you're right with me. And, and that involves being still before him. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've learned as I've exercised my creativity. Like I said, I'm not an artist. So my creativity, my my line drawings, my little flowers that I color in are not beautiful. And so I, that used to bother me <laughs> until I realized that the process was, or the point of this process was not to end up in a gallery. It was to end up with God. And so it sort of gave me permission to let the results go. So so when you color outside the lines, how does that make you feel? <laughs> it makes me feel happy. <laughs> sort of feel like a I rebel. Get I get it. I get it. Edie Melson is joining us today at a CPE International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This is The Meeting House. So Edie, you've written this soul care series of books. In fact, you have begun to write these soul care books. You have two already. You've got the next one that is due to release sometime around the first of the year, a little after the yep. first of the year, called Soul Care When You're Grieving. You also have a soul care book when you're an empty nester. That is due out. Is that next year? Yeah, that's going to come out bef- right before kids leave for college. Ah, <laughs> good timing there. So let's talk about, again, these special times with God and the nature of them. Share with us your perspective on prayer and how that's incorporated into this this whole soul care uh, framework. Well, I use I have written many books of prayers and on prayer, and it is something that I have always struggled with. Not the writing, the doing. And I thought that the way to be an efficient prayer was to know how to pray. Um, I was looking for a formula. I was trying to make sure I was saying the right words in the right order. And the more I struggled with it, the harder it became. And the more I began to judge what was coming out of my pencil in my journal. And God really showed me that it wasn't the words. The power didn't rest in the words. The power rested in him. And at that point, it was almost like I could take a deep breath and just spend time in actual conversation. If I didn't have any words, that was fine. He still knew my heart. He knew how I was feeling. And it just immediately deepened our relationship. I think of this verse, Edie, here as we close about finding rest for our souls. And God wants our souls to be at rest. So comment or describe, if you would, the work that the Holy Spirit does in our own souls, in our hearts and our minds, as we really get ourselves into that right relationship with God. How would you describe that place? Well, I think it's a place of peace that 
comes from an internal source rather than searching for peace from an external source. It is also an, unend- an unending well of power. Uh, strength, if you will, is even a better word. It's, it's being able to have a, an unclogged conduit where we are, we are just right in step with God. Do you, is it possible to really know that you're in that place and to know when you're, well, not really in that, that particular place? Or do we kind of get so busy that we don't even think about it? Does that well, make sense? It does make sense, but I know it because my entire, uh, my spirit just feels more restful and at peace no matter what's going on. When I start getting uptight and worrying about things and trying to look for outside ways to calm my, my anxious heart, then I know that I have gotten out of step. And so when you do that, how do you kind of pull back and make that time? I really just sit down for five or 10 minutes or 20 minutes and I pull out my pencil and my notebook and I begin to write out scripture or I write out a prayer. I find that actually writing it out slows my mind and helps me focus. Edie Melson here on The Intersection. Find out more through her website, Edie, E-D-I-E, Melson.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the media center marked Meeting House On Demand. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. Plus, you can find The Intersection in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the CPE International event in Tennessee. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to faithradio.org and find a link to the Meeting House homepage in the programming section. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Find out more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. Continuing now with the Intersection podcast, from Living Waters Ministries, evangelist Ray Comfort shared about the inspiration for and content in the book, Jesus in Red, 365 Meditations on the Words of Jesus. From that conversation, this is Ray Comfort now. Not as many Christians read the word daily as I'd like to see. I remember probably 40-something years ago, I was in a church and I thought to myself, well, I've read the Bible every day and I have up to today for 48 years, every day without fail. There's been a day when I missed. I thought every Christian did that until I asked the church I was speaking at and I found about 5% did. And I bumped into Christians. I said, do you read the word daily? And they say, oh, I try to. I said, well, do you try to feed your stomach? No, you don't try to feed your stomach. You just feed your stomach because it's a priority. I say, you get into the habit of no Bible, no breakfast, no read, no feed, and you'll never be the same. Psalm 1 promises, if we meditate on the law of God, both day and night be like, will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season. Our leaf won't wither, and whatever we do will prosper. So if you want to prosper in your Christian walk, and you want uh, to glorify God and reach the lost and have a marriage that works, and etc., just put God's Word first. And This devotional will help people get into that discipline of reading the Word daily. 
It, it really is quite unique. Uh, I'm thrilled what the publishers have done. It's, the publishers have done it. It's just such a beautiful uh, production. But the reason it's called Jesus in Red is because the words of Jesus are in red. But that's nothing different. There are red-letter Bibles. Sure. What sure. I did was isolate the words of Jesus. I took away from anything that surrounded it, anything that could distract, such as, and he said unto him. Now, it's just the words of Jesus, and obviously I've encouraged people to read Scripture in context. But the reason I did that is because we put our stop signs in red. We have fire extinguishers red. We have fire engines red, exit signs red. God started it off by doing our blood in red, and because red alarms us, it alerts us. It actually horrifies us. If you see blood dripping out of your body, it alarms you. And if anything should be in red, it's the words of Jesus, because they are alarming. He said, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming when all that are in their grave shall hear my voice. Never a man spoke like this man, and uh, our eternities are dependent on what we do with his words. And so uh, that's why we've done the words of Jesus in red, and why this is called Jesus in red. Give us a, a couple of, as you might say, the common themes that we find in the words of Jesus. Well, Jesus said, my words are spirit and their life. You know, uh, one thing I challenge people with is uh, the Ten Commandments. I take them through the commandments, as Jesus did in Mark 10, verse 17, and as Paul did in Romans chapter 2, when he said, you who say you shall not steal, do you steal? You say you shall not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? And as I go through the commandments and ask them if they have committed adultery or lied or stolen or lusted, I often stay on the third commandment. See, have you used God's name in vain? And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, just a habit I've got. I say, can you think of anyone in history who's had their name used as a cuss word? Napoleon, you know, Mother Teresa, Hitler? They say, no. So why would you use the name of Jesus as a cuss word? I say, would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? And they say, oh, no. I say, why not? So well, I respect my mother. And I say, oh, but you don't respect the God that gave you life, whose name is holy. And I say, the Bible says, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And death sentence for blasphemy in the Old Testament. And that's an eye widener. And that's uh, uh, one of the things we learn in Scripture, the way Jesus said in John 7, why people use his name as a cuss word. He said, the world hates me because I testify of its deeds that they're evil. The world hates God and Jesus and the Bible for the same reason a thief hates a policeman. He doesn't want to get near him. You know, atheism is a, uh, an interesting phenomenon, and I think there's a very great illustration of atheism in the parable of the prodigal son. Remember, the prodigal went to his father and said, Father, give me my inheritance. I want it now. And, and then it says he, he went to a far country. Well, why did he go to a far country? Well, Jesus later on tells us that he wanted to spend his money on prostitutes. His hormones were kicked in, and he just wanted to get away from his father. And that's why he went to a far country, obviously to get away from his father, because he knew his father would frown on what he wanted to do. Well, atheism is a far country. It is Adam hiding from God. It's the prodigal getting away from his father. And so... Atheism isn't an intellectual argument, it's a moral argument. Sinners don't want to come to God for the same reason thieves don't want to come to a police officer. Ray Comfort here on The Intersection. Find out more at livingwaters.com. 
Back to the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Tennessee. From Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central, Jay Payleitner explained the concept of his book, The Jesus Dare, The Adventure You've Been Waiting For. From that conversation, this is Jay Payleitner. Well, it, it is uh, kind of different. I've evolved as I've been to uh, my ministry to start really to dads and to families and marriage. I do marriage conferences and, and, and fathering events, parenting events. And, you know, as, you, as your faith matures, you realize that, hmm, you know what? If you're going to be a great parent, if you're going to be a great husband or a great spouse, uh, job one is to, is to know the Savior. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so that's where that's where this came from. Um, the idea of uh, you gotta that would be jab one for all of us is to, is to get to heaven and take as many people with us as possible. I uh, uh, the book the book that Jesus Dare is is about the size of more than a carpenter, and that's kind of intentional. I uh, produced. I think we've, we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. I produced Josh McDowell Radio yes. for, for 14 years. Aired on Faith Radio for a number of years. Uh, uh, yep. For sure, absolutely. Uh, what a privilege that was. And uh, I, I went to, uh, to, to Russia with Josh a few times, and I handed out more than a carpenter yep. on the streets of Moscow. And to eager Russian readers, uh, I, I remember them grabbing the book and being excited about it. And my little book, The Jesus Dare, is the same audience, kind of. It's, a, it's an outreach evangelistic tool. Now, it won't, sell, <laughs> it won't sell 30 million copies. Don't underestimate yourself, Jay. Come <laughs> like, on like, now. Like Josh's God, book. nothing is impossible, uh, brother. Well, thank you. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't even, wouldn't even go in there, except for the idea is, yeah, this is a book, The Jesus Dare, that you can hand to somebody. If, yep. you're, if you're tongue-tied, if you don't know, Bob, if you don't know what to say to somebody, if you want to you know, give them some encouragement and outreach and, and, let them, and give them the gospel, you could say, hey, I saw this book, thought of you. Give it a read. Let me know what you think. And you could give it to him and walk away, and the gospel is in there. So that's the idea behind this book, uh, The Jesus Dare. Well, and it's structured in the sense that the first chapter, I mean, just from the outset, as I understand it, you are presenting the gospel message, and you are issuing the dare, the dare. that's kind of wrapped up in the last well, chapter. It's kind well, of like a well, the exa- yeah, preview of coming attractions. You, well, you're exactly right. Uh, of course, the Jesus Dare, in my mind, is really the same as saying the gospel. Or have you, have you taken the Jesus Dare? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Have you been washed by the blood? There's all kinds of ways to say it. And the Jesus Dare, I kind of stumbled across that. But you're right. In the very first chapter, I say, uh, essentially to the reader, I, I'm warning you, in the last chapter, you're going to be challenged to take the Jesus Dare, to accept Christ as your Savior. How does that work? Uh, uh, how will that manifest itself? What obstacles can we get out of the way? That's what we're going to cover in the next 26 very short chapters. So that's what we do. It's a short book. And uh, I wanted to write it so that uh, uh, someone like my brother, who was in my heart the whole time I was reading this book, writing the book, could read it in, a, in, a, in an hour or an evening and then be forced to make a decision for Christ or not. And, and that's, the, that's the question we all have to ask and should be asking other people. Jay Payleitner joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio at mm. CPE International 2019 in Tennessee. The Jesus Dare, The Adventure You've Been Waiting For is the title of the book. By the way, before we start talking about some of these roadblocks or these barriers mm. to people really entering into a relationship with Christ, the foreword is written by None other than Josh McDowell. You worked for Josh as a producer of Josh McDowell Radio for a number of years, so he was so kind to actually recommend your book. Well, uh, absolutely, and I will always be appreciative to Josh because uh, if you think about it, I was uh, 
I was raising my kids for the 14 years that I was working with Josh. Uh, I had I had my kids at home, and he poured into me, and so I got a chance to pour into my kids. and And Josh and I, uh, um, he, well, we we've been friends ever since. Uh, I, I I don't want to overstate that, but uh, what a privilege that was to hang with him. And yeah, he uh, he saw the book, read it, and said, Jay, you know what? Go for it, because he, he sees the value in this. Uh, More Than a Carpenter, uh, go out and grab that book, folks. More than, if you haven't read More Than a Carpenter, uh, uh, a great, great apologetics. Mine has got some of that, but it also has some, some lifestyle things in there to make sure that folks, that for the new, new generation, the millennials are a little more lifestyle-oriented than just the thought process apologetic stuff. I'm not no. sure you can talk somebody, I'm not sure you can reason somebody into the kingdom these days. It needs, it needs to be reason and uh, heart, heart stuff and emotion stuff and relationship stuff. Jay Payleitner here on The Intersection. The book's website is thejesusdare.com. His site is jpayleitner, that's P-A-Y-L-E-I-T-N-E-R.com. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. The podcast is in the Media Center. You can also find it on iTunes. Plus, there are two blogs accessible through the Meeting House homepage. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, updated weekly. Also, there's The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn. Learn more when you visit meetinghouseonline.info or when you drop by the programming section at faithradio.org. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.